Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are And join in our awesome conversation. We'll be live for the next two hours, and we would love to hear from you guys. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And once again, I'm coming to you live from the deck at my camp. I'm sitting out here by the campfire right now. It's a beautiful, beautiful night here um, in Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, It's a little bit cooler than it has been, but don't worry, because it's going to be 90 in time for Trek Conderoga tomorrow. Yay! So Klingon Jim gets to sweat like a dog in a Chinese restaurant. I'm looking forward to it. But um, at any rate, I'd like to introduce to you guys my awesome truck experts. And we'll start out with our, with our very own Charles. And Charles is coming to us live from Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. We're doing some sweating here, too. But not just the fact that it's hot. It's just these monsoons won't stop. I noticed... Wow. Southwest of where I'm at, they're getting hit with probably rain and a lot of lightning. Wow. And uh, we also, Eric is going to be joining us later. He's in transit. As I said, Eric will be joining me at Conoroga over the weekend. So if you're in the area and you plan on stopping by, come over to the Trek talking table. We'll be in the um, uh, Ticonderoga High School Gymnasium. And we're going to be chairing a couple of panels, and we, we'd love to uh, put some faces to some voices. So please stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you. So because Eric's in transit, he'll be hooking up with us a little bit later. So we only have the dynamic duo from Portland with us tonight. And I'll start off with David. How are you doing tonight, David? Uh, doing a lot better. I was sick all week last night, uh, time, and so yeah, it's getting pretty good. I'm still got a little bit of a cough, but uh, looking forward to uh, talking some Trek. Yeah, you, you missed our Klingon show. It was fun. We had, we had a good time talking Klingon. And uh, we also have with us Paul the Toy Guy from Portland. How you doing, Paul? What's up, Uncle Jim? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. This was a, a momentous week uh, because this was the very first week that brand spanking new, never before released, uh, Playmate Star Trek action figures began to come out. So really, really cool to be able to see 
Star Trek back in the action figure universe once again after a pretty substantial hiatus. So that that got me all fired up. I'm excited about that. So uh, yeah, more to come it? in the future. 1992 when the last ones came out. Well, I'd have to get the exact, I think a little bit later, because other folks have taken a turn here and there, right? Like, um, uh, I think it was McFarland and Diamond Select, uh, the most recent ones I can know. But they mostly have done ones from, like, the movies, not a lot from, like, the older series, right? So it's been a while. It's been a while, to be sure. And, folk, you know, these companies dabble. They do one or two, and then they're done, right? But Playmates is, like, the legacy company. They you know, cranked out tons of these and everyone's, I think, pretty excited that they're back. And so it's going to be super exciting to see what they do with the line. But uh, and first we're, one ever we're hit this week, so I'm amped. We're going to have a few to talk about on Thursday's show. We're going to have a toy chess segment that Paul's going to do for us. So if you guys want to know what's going on with Playmates and with all their latest stuff, you want to tune in Thursday night for a brand new segment, the toy chess with Paul, toy guy. So check. He's still the wine guy. But he's he's stepped aside and he's become the toy guy now. Well, you know, it's kind of like chocolate and peanut butter, uh, Jim. They're two great tastes that go great together. So there is no reason you can't sip delicious wine while uh, opening and unboxing toys and checking them out. So that's what I highly recommend. Take the two things you love and move them together. You know, it's a it's it's a beautiful world. It's like Reese's peanut butter cup, kind of with with wine and brother. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 tonight uh, because Thursday night, Season 3 premieres. So we just want to go back and revisit our favorite moments from last year and and get back into the Lower Decks kind of swing of things. So if you have a favorite episode or a favorite quote or or anything you'd like to share with us about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, then uh, please give us a ring at 646-668-2433. We would absolutely love to hear from you, and we'll get you right on the air immediately. So uh, this is the part of the show where we do our fan shout-outs. And if you go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond, you have to spell that all out. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top of the page. It's pinned right to the top. And all you have to do is go there and uh, let us know where you're listening from. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim. Um, picks uh, 20 lucky listeners. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, then you want to tune into the next show because your name is going to be immortalized for all of eternity as a listener of Trek Talking and an awesome Star Trek fan. And uh, usually we start off with Eric, but um, Eric is uh, in transit, as I said. So what we'll do is we're just going to turn Eric's segment over to Paul. So, Paul, what do you got to start us off with on our fan shout-outs? Oh, gosh, man. We got all kinds of folks. I love this segment because it's so great because we really get a chance to see the the global reach of uh, not just Star Trek but the show and how many folks are uh, connecting and checking out the content, loving to share uh, what they like about Star Trek and their enthusiasm. So I'm just going to do mine and Eric's together and kind of lump them in together as one big thing rather than go back and forth. So I'm going to start off with somebody with an absolutely uh, unforgettable name. (laughs) 
it's a moniker. It sounds like a superhero name. Like this person should be uh, a, perhaps a Marvel superhero, if you will. But uh, in top fan in Gosford, Australia, big shout out to Timba Wolf. Timba Wolf with an E. Top fan. That's a heck of a moniker, my friend. So uh, thank you for being uh, a fan of the show and uh, for you know spreading your enthusiasm for Star Trek. Uh, moving over continents here to the southern regions in the land of Denmark. Uh, greetings to Ulf Hansen as well. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. It's wonderful that you are listening and digging Star Trek. And then uh, we're going to spin down below the equator to Guatemala and, and say hello. And a mighty kapla to Javier Del Cid in gorgeous, beautiful, breathtaking Guatemala. And then we go back over to uh, Germany, to Aspach, Germany, uh, in fact, where I'm seeing a delightful Live Long and Prosper sign being flashed by Maria Rotenfuber. So thank you so much for listening to us. And then we have more folks over here. Uh, oh, this one's great. Pirnhada uh, to you in the land of Wales, Rhonda. Rhonda Brennan is a listener in that magical country, and it is magical indeed, friends. I'm seeing a smiley face and uh, live long and prosper. I think that might be a winking smiley face, Rhonda, but uh, you live in a fantastic part of the world, and it's great that there is much Star Trek enthusiasm there. So wonderful, wonderful for you. Also in Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, hello, and uh, thank you for listening to Alden Gijic Gael in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, I'm going to get dizzy going from one hemisphere to the other here because we're going back down uh, to northern New Zealand on the northern island uh, where a live long and prosper has been sent from Chloe Esther Clonell. Thanks so much for reaching out to us and saying hello, and uh, it's great that you enjoy uh, keeping the Star Trek vibe going down there. Lastly for me, it's uh, in backing to uh, Guadalupe in, uh, I believe this is uh, the French West Indies, if I'm not mistaken, FWI. That's Francis Blombu who uh, reached out and said hello. So thank you, Francis, for saying hello. I want to make sure I'm not uh, misidentifying your country there because there is just simply nothing worse. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I've got you right there. Uh, there's all kinds of FWI acronyms, Francis, though. So we could get in all kinds of trouble here. So I'm going to try to restrain myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, French West Indies. Okay, good. I'm not completely losing it, Francis. I haven't misidentified you there. So right there, I think Guadalupe is an archipelago, if I uh, remember there. So Francis, thank you for keeping your Star Trek enthusiasm alive and well. And that's it for me. I'm going to pass things over now. Charles, who would you like to say hello to, my friend? Well, let's start off with Christy Kendrell in Vegas, baby. Don't know if I know the person, but hey, I hope she's involved with one of our ships. Richard Leal, born in Houston, now in Breham, Texas. Linda Greenwood in Pennsylvania. And Pierre Rizboyce is in Montreal. David, where are you traveling to? Well, it looks like I got a top fan uh, all the way from Switzerland. 
name is Enrenko Ohei. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, another one coming in from Pennsylvania. I got Matt Zimmerman. Uh, and another top fan would be Cassie Pinna from South Florida. And the last one on the list is James Widener from Wisconsin. Jim, what's on your list? Well, we'd like to say live long and prosper and send out a hearty kapla to Marie Haley, who's in upstate New York. I wonder how far upstate. I'm in upstate right now, right now doing this podcast. I, I wonder if uh, Maria is in the area. I don't know, but appreciate that you're listening. Thank you so much to Maria. We also want to say kapla to Jeff Gay, who's listening in Ohio. We want to say hello and thank you to Topper Lehman, who's listening to us in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Isn't that where um, Bugs Bunny was always tunneling around to trying to get to Albuquerque? I seem to remember him popping his head out of his hole and mentioning or Albuquerque. Or he should have made a left at Albuquerque. That's it. I knew I knew he I knew Albuquerque was in there somewhere. Yeah. So um thank he you. He should so have trained left at Albuquerque, Doc. <laughs> that's it. That's yep, that's that's well, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I want I, no. I want to to first trying to go out and get his hatch chilies right now. <laughs> Better do soon. And you know, well, I bet you a lot of our listeners are saying, "Who the hell is Bugs Bunny, and what does he got to do with Star Trek?" <laughs> We're old. I'm sorry. And uh, wow, that's awesome. Oh, I love Saru. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting off the track here. Um, and last but not least, we want to go all the way to Serbia and say kapla to Attila Mondom, who's listening to us in Serbia. We appreciate each and every single one of you guys, and uh, we're glad to have you along for the ride. As I said at the top of the segment, you too can hear your name mentioned on a fan shout-out by visiting our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. That's A-N-D, Beyond. Spell that all out. You'll find us. And uh, you'll see us pinned at the top of the page. Just tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart next to your name. Good luck. All right, guys, that finishes up our first segment. We're going to take a very quick commercial break. Run to the microwave, get your pizza bites, get your chicken wings, go to the bathroom. But whatever you do, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi there. This is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash beyond or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Trek Conderoga, the biggest little Star Trek event in the Northeast, is proud to present Trek Conderoga 2022, August 19th through the 21st, in Ticonderoga, New York, with headliners Gates McFadden, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner. Join Uncle Jim and Eric from Trek Talking as we marvel at the original series set tour, walking the corridors, 
sick bay, briefing room, captain's quarters, transporter room, and main engineering of the USS Enterprise. Our next generation tour guides will share behind the scenes information and explain how the sets were designed and erected. For most of us, the tour stays the best for last, the iconic main bridge where the adventures begin. Sound like fun? We think so too. So stop by the Trek Talking table on your way to tour the set and meet the stars. And tell them Trek Talking sent you. Engage. And welcome back, guys. As Eric said, we will be live at Trek Talking uh, this weekend, so we would love to see you guys. If you're in the area, stop by. I saw the set tour uh, pre-COVID, and it's really awesome. And I hear that they're working on some TNG stuff, so maybe we'll see some uh, previews of the TNG bridge set. Who knows? At any rate, stop by and say hello to yours truly, Uncle Jim and Eric. We'll be there, and we'd love to see you guys. All right, this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, which means we have to hear from more. That was not a Klingon song. You know, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but we still love him anyways. And, um, hey, we got a caller on the line, guys. You want to take a caller before we do our Star Trek birthdays? Great. Okay. Sounds good. What do you say? Let's see if I, my thing will work out here on my deck at camp. <laughs> uh, hello. Thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, I'm calling from Kentucky. Shannon, Shannon. how are you doing? <laughs> good. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's great to hear your voice. You all too. I'm glad I had so a couple hours to, to hang tonight? out with you all. Um, I'm out. actually watching. I'm working on my um, slideshow for the STLV. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a panel at Trekanaroga tomorrow called Klingons. That should be pretty easy awesome. for me. <laughs> and then of course. Saturday morning. Eric and I are doing one called Podcasting the Final Frontier. And then later on, Saturday cool. night, I think from three to four, we're doing Evil Admirals of Star Trek. So it's going to be fun. A lot of fun. All right, guys. Shannon is one of our regulars who joins us around our, our round table. So it's, we're really, really glad to have Shannon with us. She's been busy as of late, but we always have a table at the chair for Shannon. All right, so this is the part of our show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, and uh, we always start out our Star Trek birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. Now, usually, we would turn to Eric for that, but Paul is going to be stepping in for Eric until Eric uh, jumps off his jet plane and is able to join us. So, Eric, I mean, I'm sorry. So, Paul, (laughs) who are we? (laughs) I've been, I've, I've been in a I feel I can practically hear Eric sprinting down a driveway someplace just in order to get here to do this segment. But sorry, man. It's just, I'll try to do you in good stead, my friend. I've been introducing Eric on this segment for so long. I just, it just, it's a, the Freudian slip. The pay it no Old mind. habits, brother. 
Old habits are ingrained, right. so it's nothing wrong with that. So we have several folks here who are celebrating the birthdays uh, with us uh, this week who have already uh, transitioned off to life among the stars. So quite a few folks. I mean, we all know that Spock is a person of two uh, dueling halves, right? Uh, both Vulcan and human. And this first person is the actress who helped embody that and show us his origins is actress Jane Wyeth, who played Spock's mother in the original series episode Journey to Babel. Amanda Grayson, right? I mean, wow. I mean, Jane Wyatt is, like, iconic. I mean, and, of course, she also played the character again in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. We don't want to forget that. But but Journey to Babel really was just powerful. I mean, I think you have to just say slap in the face powerful in terms of Jane Wyatt's presence there. She is a Hollywood icon, especially for folks who might be a little bit more long in the tooth, as uh, Jim likes to say. Uh, she was has been in just tons and tons of different things, okay? She was a, a regular character on the TV show Saint Elsewhere for many years. Uh, classic character on Father Knows Best uh, in the late 50s for I think it was about six or seven years. And uh, the great Frank Capra movie, Lost Horizon. That's just a snapshot of the various things that uh, Jane Wyatt appeared in over the years. But she was just Hollywood royalty, uh, a real icon, and uh, an I- a just indelible part of Star Trek history thanks to playing Spock's mother. So, uh, Definitely, uh, wherever you are in the cosmos, Jane Wyatt, happy birthday to you. And you know what's great about that, uh, Paul, is that, like you said, she was only in one episode, and she was only in Star Trek IV for six minutes, but she made the most of that time so much that people just identify her as Spock's mother instantly, even though her career blankets decades of other stuff. She immediately goes to Spock's mother, which says something about her acting abilities. Oh, tremendously. I mean, she's just, you know, I mean, I just don't think there's another word that's more appropriate for her than icon. I mean, she's just, you know, one of those actors like, uh, you know, June Lockhart, right? That just from a certain era that just, you know, you uh, often played like the matriarch of a family, right? The the, the mother role and just uh, was just really... Uh, you know, somehow comforting uh, a presence that made you just always remember them. And uh, it's just so wonderful that she brought that in uh, so such an enduring way to the Star Trek universe. So really fantastic. This next one, though, I don't think there is a person in the cosmos that's more indelibly linked to Star Trek than this next person here, the late, great, Matt Jeffries. I hope every Star Trek fan knows who Matt Jeffries is. Matt Jeffries was an aviation and mechanical artist and set designer, and he was also a writer. Uh, But it's his work, more than anything else, that gave Star Trek the look that it had. He designed... Uh, basically the original Starship Enterprise and and did all the different designs that led up to that final look. Uh, Iconic. He designed the bridge. He designed sickbay. He designed most of the sets and props for the original series. Uh, You want to talk visionary? Matt Jeffries is the guy. And as tribute forever to Matt, uh, 
those tubes we always see uh, Scotty and everyone climbing up with those steps to do those intricate repairs. The Jeffries tubes, as they came to be called, were, you know, for perpetuity named after Matt Jeffries, right? So whenever you see those on Next Gen or whatever other you know, element of the franchise you may come up with, the Jeffries tubes are something that are permanently named as a as a tribute to the enduring legacy of all that great design work that uh, Matt Jeffries came up with. He's one of the most enduring visual artists out there. Uh, so much of his stuff that we just don't even think about. But but that look, if you ever looked at a phaser, a communicator, or looked at, just stared at the bridge, <laughs> Jim's getting the wonderful, rare experience of going to Ticonderoga, which I really envy you doing. But you're basically going to be standing in Matt Jeffrey's head when you're on that bridge, man. So and you know that they amazing. actually have the Jeffrey's tubes there too. Yeah. Well, There's, um, raise a glass of something to his honor, Scotty. man. What a what an incredible guy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we wouldn't his, start oh, yeah. if it wasn't for Matt Jeffrey's work back in the yeah. '60s. No, it's just it's yeah, yeah. I think a lot of folks in design, especially in Hollywood, don't always realize it, right? It's just like who will make a sketch or production design of something. They said, oh, I just did this and I tried turning something upside down and saw what it's like. And you know, you think it's just a job. You don't realize that sometimes that those uh, drawings create a legacy that will outlive you by decades. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. So. But kudos and happy birthday, Matt. You really changed the world in a lot of positive ways and, and gave people things that they can hold on to and dream of uh, forever. Let's continue on with our, uh, our uh, legacy uh, remembrance here of birthdays. Uh, Willard Sage, another uh, actor, uh, prominent in original series. One episode, but it's one people remember. He was one of the aliens in uh, the original series episode, The Empath. That I believe we were talking about this a little bit last week, but uh, Willard Sage is one of those aliens, a very kind of strange-looking uh, gentleman. Uh, they look very similar, he and the other one, with their devices there and uh, their ability to hold people. He had a long Hollywood career from a lot of Westerns. If you take a look at his face, you can see why. He was from the era of, like, uh, Bonanza, uh, the Virginian, uh, Death Valley days, uh, definitely somebody who did a ton of work uh, back in the 50s and 60s, Gunsmoke. I mean, it's just uh, people forget that there was a time when uh, there were as many Westerns on TV as there are science fiction shows now. And uh, the two genres really share a lot in common. And uh, Willard Sage was definitely somebody who was comfortable in both worlds. So thank you, sir, and happy birthday to you. It's great to have you be part of the Star Trek legacy. Happy birthday also to Jane Webb Edwards. Uh, in the animated series uh, The Jihad, uh, Jane Webb Edwards voiced Lara and also the Vidala female in that episode. Um, we like to talk about uh, the animated series on Trek Talking just because it's kind of the unsung hero of, uh, of the Star Trek universe, I think. Uh, we're going to talk more about Absolutely. animation later on tonight when we talk about Lower Decks. But in a lot of ways, the animated series is like the unhinged, uh, all bets are off, fourth season of the original series, I think, because you've got all those original voice actors working in there, and it's really fascinating to watch. Uh, Some of the animation may seem clunky to sophisticated modern viewers, but if you haven't watched the original series, uh, the animated series, do check it out. Next up, happy birthday to actress Fran Bennett, 
uh, a next gen actor who uh, was on the uh, next gen episode Redemption, which is a pretty powerful episode, uh, played the character of Admiral Shanti. Uh, Fran Bennett, happy birthday to you, my friend, wherever you may be in the world. I know you did a lot of other amazing roles as well. So it is, is always a Is she going to make char- uh, Eric's list? I, I, I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think this is what you'd call an evil admiral. I think that they, uh, all the admirals sort of enforce some, uh, some rules, typically. I'm sorry, Captain, you can't do that because of X, Y, Z. Or, I'm sorry, Captain, we need you to do this thing that's virtually impossible to do. That's, that seems to be what you can always count on, on the admirals to do there, right? But, uh, it's, uh, but no, uh, another actor, it's like it's, it is really funny sometimes because we see these actors who we just know for one part one brief part who they basically have uh, um, I believe Admiral Shanti was very involved in like the uh, uh, the Klingon Civil War episodes Jim uh, the yep. ones who's helping get the uh, like the uh, the border blockade uh, with like the tacky oh, detection right. grid that's... yes you're right yep uh, now I remember and I, th- I don't know if she's in the episode but I think she was uh, part of the whole the Pegasus uh reference there i'm pretty sure she got mentioned in that as well it's a it's a unique name very very uh hard to forget but uh definitely somebody who's done a ton of work my gosh a ton of work so happy birthday in memoriam there fran bennett and this, <laughs> this next uh birthday this person one's we don't awesome. need, i mean you don't this need is... any any introduction here it's i think everybody knows this is the person who i i suspect if they're conscious creating that's how this this person's life was the great composer james horner okay yeah uh, my god i mean what uh incredible legacy as a composer james horner leaves but of course the theme that we'll never forget wrath uh, i mean my god i mean those that music carried itself beyond Wrath of Khan to be in all kinds of different iterations of Star Trek as a composer, James Horner. It's it's just hard to even know where to start. I mean, Avatar. I will, I will start. He was in one of my. He composed the themes for one of my favorite movies, which we talked about, Crawl. He did the oh, soundtrack. Oh right, right, Crawl. yeah, Crawl. He's Crawl, man. That's exactly absolutely another movie because I'm like I'm I'm into that. He did the soundtrack for. Battle Beyond the Stars with John Boy. Another oh, <laughs> one that I love. I like I said I like that kind of stuff, and he did the soundtrack for that. Um, but if you look Apollo- at him on the IMDb, here's a guy who's. I mean, if if you, if you know how much work goes into composing a score, right? It's like composing a symphony. It's incredibly hard. And I'm looking at his IMDb page earlier, and he's like it's doing it. five or six a year. I mean, it's just like he did the score for Titanic. Right? I mean, that's an epic piece of work. Wow. The Perfect Storm. I mean, uh, uh, Troy, uh, House of Sand and Fog. I mean, you just, it's, it's dizzying how much work yeah. this guy did. I mean, Apocalypto. I mean, it's the Spider Man movies. Uh, crazy yeah. uh, how much work he's done. So it just seemed like if you're conscious, you're working and you're creating. This is a man who always heard music in his head and who is a fundamental. Uh, 
creator of the music we always hear when we think of Star Trek. I mean, is there any and, more exciting Star Trek score than the Wrath of Khan score? I don't think so. And he rolled it over, too. He went from Star Trek II right into Star Trek Three. He did both of those. Man, which is unbelievable. Cool. I mean, yeah. The search for just, Spock. So one talented individual. It's just, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, but a lot of these folks, James Horner, I have to say in particular, right, if you want to just kind of get sentimental uh, a bit, um, they're immortal because that music will never not play, right? There's never going to be a time that people aren't just like feeling themselves be moved by the scores that James Horner wrote, right? I mean, not just Star Trek, but everything else. I mean, Titanic, all those different things. You're going to live forever. You're an immortal person, and your music will never stop playing. So, but I mean, how many times <laughs> you watch Alien? And it's like, game over, man. Game over. They're going to come in here, and they're going to get us. Uh, and the- that's an iconic piece of music. That is an iconic piece of music, man. Aliens is one of the greatest scores ever. So amazing. So I want to keep us moving because we have a lot to do here and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but a happy birthday also to actor George Ann Johnson, uh, who played Admiral Gromek. Okay. In the, uh, next gen episode that is probably one of my top three favorite next gen episodes ever. The emissary where we meet Kalar, right? At the very beginning of the episode, Admiral Gromek's the one who, you know, diverts, the enterprise to pick up this class eight probe. And we all know what's inside that class eight probe. It's a person. It is Klingon special emissary Kalar who ended up being one of the most fabulous characters in all of Star Trek. If you want my humble opinion. So Admiral Gromack got all started. And I love, uh, you know, this is the second example we've seen here. I'm going to get on my thing for a minute after Admiral Shanti that we just talked about with Fran Bennett. But you know, one of the great things about Next Gen and all other iterations of Star Trek is we get females in authority, right? People don't freak out about it, right? They don't go nuts. It's really matter of fact to be able to see a female admiral at the top level of command in Starfleet. And I think that is awesome. I think that's one of the things that's unique to Star Trek and probably one of the reasons that it has such a global reach in terms of people looking at it and going, man, I'm inspired. So it's great that they put that up as an example. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. And so George, I'm I'm not going to be an admiral, but I hope to be a judge in a couple months. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, so, you know, uh, they're setting the, setting the example of what's possible right. and showing us that yes. uh, no dream is too small, is too big, rather. No dream is too big. So, <laughs> yes. You know what, Paul? I got to okay. sidetrack just a little bit here. Speaking about that, over the weekend, I went to Fandom Fest, and I met D.D. Bradley, who was in Warriors, another one of my favorites. Me and too. I talked, to her, I talked to her for about a half an hour, and I was dressed up as a Klingon. And she said to me, <laughs> she wants to come on our podcast because wow. she said back when they were doing the Warriors, it was really hard for a woman to get a, a good part in a Hollywood movie mm-hmm. and that they didn't want her to, to do her own stunts because, you know, women and action stuff just doesn't go together. So they wanted to have a stunt <laughs> person do her stunts for her. And uh, she said, no, <laughs> she she did her own. <laughs> And, now, uh, which so character said, is she in the Warriors, man? Which character? Bradley is. You remember when the Warriors get off the the um, subway at 96th Street and the Lizzies pick them up and bring them back yeah, to their yeah, lair? Yeah, yeah, and they go to their apartment. She's the one that locks the door and pulls out the gun and tries to shoot them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I so love she, that picture. Uh, 
she wants to come on our podcast and talk about the the image that Star Trek gives to women in the future. And I said, absolutely, anytime. Oh, man, so, what a great topic. What a great topic that is. That would be so yeah, cool. Awesome. Yeah, just yeah a let's make that on happen, man. That'd be great. <laughs> and she was Any in the chance Warriors. to talk Warriors. <laughs> I got a couple more I just want to get through here real quick just so I can pass things off because I want to be mindful of our time because gosh knows some of us, we, including me, do get a little sidetracked with our enthusiasm every week, especially when we start having all these memories of these actors. But, wow, this next one, again, iconic. Glenn Corbett. Actor Glenn Corbett. You're like, who's Glenn Corbett? Well, how about this? Zephram Cochran. Before he was portrayed in the movies, right? Zephram Cochran was introduced to us in the original series in the classic episode Metamorphosis, a man who was able to stave off the loneliness by creating a, a connectivity with a different type of non-corporeal creature. I mean, the man who invented warp drive and, uh, it's a fascinating episode, and he's just uh, – it's he's terrific, uh, indelible performance. People – way before the movies came into view, people really had a great sense of, wow, the origins of how it all began in uh, space travel in the Federation, thanks to the way this man portrayed uh, Zephram Cochran. So it's really cool uh, to be able to uh, pay our respects to uh, an actor who was very prolific, and it was in everything. I love these folks from back in the 50s and 60s. They worked a lot, man. They worked a ton. A couple more I'd like to uh, pay respects to. Happy birthday to Joshua Andrew Koenig in the Deep Space Nine episode Sanctuary. Played the character of Tumak in that episode. And finally, I can sense Jim moving and vibrating. He doesn't know why, because we're going to talk about Klingons briefly in the the, uh, next-gen episode Aquiel. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's Aquiel. Uh, happy birthday to the absolutely amazing actor, Reg Cathay. I still can't believe uh, Reg E. Cathay is no longer with us, but uh, Reg played Klingon Commander Morag in uh, that particular role. And uh, one of the reasons that I will never forget him, I mean, he's been in so many uh, different shows, uh, but indelibly if you've never watched this show the great tv series the wire on hbo uh i believe he was in at least half those episodes uh reg cathay a phenomenal actor played norman wilson on that show um i still can't believe he's gone because he was just on everything it seems like just the other day he was showing up on episodes of house of cards you know really amazing actor uh played a lot of different characters um just one of those actors who his theater cred is just coming out of every pore uh, when he acts. And he also had the great pleasure of playing a Klingon. So how fantastic is that? So if you never, uh, never watched the wire and you're looking for something to binge that will not disappoint, that is your show friends. So thanks for letting me go down memory lane a little bit here uh, in Eric's stead and uh, enjoy paying our respects to some of the many legends who've uh, embodied Star Trek characters and helped create the world of Star Trek, uh, who have reminded us that we're all just here as visitors, friends, until we uh, finally raise sail and set sail for the great beyond. And with that, I'd like to pass the birthday uh, wheel of excitement over to my friend Charles. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? 
Well, let's start off with Pamela Winslow, who played Ensign McKnight in TNG's Clues, In Theory, and Face of the Enemy. Didn't do a lot of roles otherwise. I think I I remember the IMDb, she only did a few roles. Crystal Allen played Orion B. Nash in Enterprises Bound has appeared in many TV commercials, including ads for Tic Tac, Mint, and Nissan. Christian Slater played night duty officer in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Lots of roles, including a lot of talk shows and a lot of late night stuff, and a lot of award shows. You look at his side stuff, he's got quite a bit in there. And let's Jeremy talk Wheaton. about, I want to mention how there's no nepotism in Hollywood. Christian Slater is a huge Star Trek fan. You know how he got the part in Star Trek VI? You must know this story, Charles. No, I'm not sure on this one. Yep, his mother was one of the producers on the show. And back in, at the time, Christian Slater was, I don't want to say a huge star, but he was a big enough star that he would have demanded some coin to be in the show. So they put him in the show as an uncredited role, and they kind of had him in the dark so you couldn't really, really see him. And, uh, yeah, that's how they were able to sneak him in the movie without having to pay him a huge amount of money. His mother got him the role. So there's no nepotism uh, out. <laughs> no, no. Well, gee, maybe this next actor had a little bit of help getting in. Doesn't have a lot of roles. But he played Mason in TNG's When the Bow Breaks. Jeremy Wheaton. And you think, no, yes, that is Will Wheaton's brother. But he is better known for about three different uh, Grand Theft Audio games. He's done a little bit of voice acting. Hasn't done a lot of work. And then the final one on mine I threw in just because I've actually met him personally, not at a convention, but at a Star Trek Club meeting. Happy birthday to Bill Blair. And you're thinking, oh, Bill Blair, what did he do? Well, he's often uncredited. He showed up in 45 DS9 episodes as various aliens. Uh, Star Trek Voyager showed up in a couple of times. Star Trek Enterprise showed up several times. He's one that doesn't get a lot of credit, but you do see he does appear quite a bit on screen. In fact, he has fun on his Facebook page where he'll do a little contest. It's like, guess what? Guess which movie I was in wearing this wearing this makeup and has a lot of fun with that. He's a fun person to talk to. So, Paul, would you like to continue with the living? Gosh, yes, absolutely. we we'll go back over here to all kinds of folks that uh, are still amongst us and uh, out there wreaking havoc in Hollywood. And uh, well, I'm pretty excited about this first one. 
actor Bruce Greenwood. I mean, right now, because of Strange New Worlds, right? We're all talking about Captain Pike over and over and over again, right? And we're like, oh, my God. Anson Mount is Captain Pike. But before uh, Anson Mount uh, picked up the mantle, uh, there was Captain Pike in the the J.J. Abrams movies, right? And uh, Bruce Greenwood played Pike. He was even in a wheelchair in uh, one of those uh, episodes, kind of as a tip of the hat, both Star Trek 2009 and Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, the Kelvin series of movies, I guess is how we kind of have come to refer to them. But Bruce Greenwood, man, great actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. Sometimes he plays a bad guy. Uh, I've seen him play very, very uh, convincing, threatening, slow-burning bad guys. Um, has been in tons and tons of stuff there. Um, a really cool role if you like this actor and you liked him as Pike. Check out the movie with Kevin Costner, 13 Days, okay, where he uh, plays John F. Kennedy. It's one of the best portrayals of uh, John F. Kennedy I can remember seeing. He's absolutely tremendous in that role. Really, really cool. Bruce Greenwood, you're a cool dude, my friend. Uh, there's just no getting around it. Happy birthday also to a very recent addition to the Star Trek universe. Let's say happy birthday. Oh, big candles. Craziness. To actress Tori Webster, uh, who was in the episode Spock Amok on uh, Strange New Worlds recently as Bolian character Ensign Zyre. We all know the Bolians, right? With their uh, kind of uh, split down the middle of the head, kind of a blue thing there. And you're like, well, wait a second. I kind of know who you mean. But who are we really talking about with the uh, this Ensign here? Um, if memory serves... Um, Ensign Zyre was one of the ones who got caught trying to do Enterprise Bingo. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Wow. And, uh, and kind of got busted in the midst of that. Um, I think she was the one trying to do the spaceship, right? If I'm not mistaken. But, but uh, yeah. my favorite episode, I'm, I think, of Strange New Worlds for the first season. I love Spock Amok. Um, it, it shouldn't work, but it works brilliantly. It's just so darn good. So I hope we see more of this character. Uh, Ensign Zyre, I hope we are able to add to your references of uh, episodes you were in next year, perhaps, when we get a look at season two. I feel honored to have this next happy birthday shout out. Um, and it's a family show, so I'm going to try to keep it clean if I can. But legendary actress Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. Who, uh, if you're an original series fan, uh, Julie Newmar was rather pregnant uh, character Elaine on the episode Friday's Child, who uh, McCoy famously refers to himself as a, <laughs> I'm a doctor, not an escalator, <laughs> helping her maneuver around the uh, the terrain of uh, Vasquez Rocks there as they're trying to... Uh, avoid capture by the uh, tribesmen and the Klingons there, but uh, great part. And she's pretty ferocious, but uh, people of a certain age, such as myself will forever think of Julie Newmar as the original, the most uh, iconic, sorry, Eartha Kitt, I love you too, but the most iconic of all Catwomen ever on the original Batman program. Um, when you say Catwoman, you got to say Julie Newmar, right? Absolutely. Phenomenal. I mean, a lot of different actresses have played Catwoman over the years with uh, Adam West, you know, Lee Merriweather, all kinds of different actresses took a shot at it, but uh Man, Julie Newmar, incredible performer. Again, one of these people who, uh, even pre-Batman, right, was just in a thousand 
different shows, right? F Troop, My Living Doll. But she was in The Twilight Zone, Route 66, the Little Abner movie in an re- unforgettable role. I won't say anything. And you know what, Little Abner, you'll know what I'm talking about, but you're never going to forget Julie Newmar in that movie, if you live to be a thousand. Seven Prize for Seven Brothers. Um, uh, again, somebody who's got a ton of stage credits in their youth. Uh, Julie Newmar was a dancer like nobody's business and you can really tell from the way she carries herself so a legend julie newmar you are literally a living legend uh it's just amazing that you can say i was in batman and star trek as well top that i don't think anyone is going to because few are those who could put that on their uh uh on their resume. My goodness. I, I'm starting to stutter. I wonder why, because I'm talking about Julie Newmar. So I will conclude with one more birthday shout out uh, to actress Rong Fu, uh, a recent addition also on uh, Strange New Worlds, who plays the character of Jenna Mitchell, often at the Navigator uh, console, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but been a lot of cool things there. Uh, I'm excited. To, and now I'm wondering, is Jenna Mitchell any relation to Gary Mitchell? I can't help but ask these kind of questions. Being a fan <laughs> of Star Trek original series stuff. And, uh, those last names, just you can't innocently ignore them. I'm like, is, are we going to see a connection there with Jenna Mitchell, my friend? Are we wrong, Fu? You're going to have to tell me. So. But uh, it's great to have you on what is probably one of the most popular shows in the history of Star Trek. I hope they do cool things with your uh, character and that we see more of you in the future. I love seeing all these new folks added to the, uh, the uh, ledger that is uh, Star Trek casting. So fantastic stuff. Jim, how about you, man? Who you got? Well, I don't have many, but that's okay because I've got, I've got some good ones. Uh, first off, I want to say happy birthday to Jim Beaver who played Admiral Daniel Leonard Enterprise episode, the pilot episode, actually, Broken Bow. And this guy was not an evil admiral. This is the guy, if you remember the episode, who referred to Kang as a Klingon. And the Romulans had to correct him and say Klingon. That was Jim Beaver. So happy birthday to Jim Beaver. Um, this next one is a recent addition, actually, but I think he's a great character. He's a Saurian. Uh, his name is Linus on Star Trek Discovery. He shows up in season two, and he's played by David Benjamin. And uh, there's a scene where he sneezes in the elevator on Pike and uh, the, uh, the dorky science officer who, who dies manscaping. I can't, I, I can't remember his name. Conley. Conley. When they're flying through the asteroids, and, he's, and he gets splattered. Anyways, happy birthday to David Benjamin Linus on Star Trek Discovery. I also like to say happy birthday to Barbara Bouchette, who played Kalinda in the TOS episode by any other name. Such a good episode. That was a good episode. That was a good one. And last but definitely not least, not a Klingon, but very relevant to tonight's podcast, we want to say happy birthday to Don Lewis, who plays Captain Carol Freeman herself on LDS, Lower Decks. She got arrested for blowing up Pac-Lib Planet at the end of season two. And her crew is going to go on a Star Trek three to search for Spock. 
kind of adventure to rescue her on Thursday. So happy birthday to Don Lewis. So that wraps up our birthdays, guys. I hope um, I hope you guys had some fun. Uh, Shannon, did did you learn anything from our birthdays? Yes, because I now have a whole list of people to watch their shows from. Because I've not seen a lot of the shows you were talking about. Oh, really? Well, see that? That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Hey, Jim, you were uh, talking Jim Beaver. I got to ask you, man. Um, are you a Deadwood fan? Uh, not really. No, I've, ah, I've seen it, the characters. <laughs> Jim Beaver, man, he's great in that. I love him. He's great. He's awesome. Is he, is he an evil admiral? <laughs> I think he might be. I think he might. If he ever sobers up on that show, he, he, he seems like he's uh, everyone on that show is having a hard time. But uh, you got evil admirals on the brain, man. I'm, uh, I, I, I wish I was at that panel. That's going to be really cool. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to take another quick commercial break. Um, so quick run to the microwave, get those pizza bites before they get cold, run to the bathroom, but don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. (laughs) Have you always wanted to tour the enterprise? Would you like to meet Jim and Eric from Trek talking in a live setting? Then join us August 19th through the 21st in Ticonderoga, New York for Trek Conderoga 2022. Star Trek The Next Generation stars Gates McFadden, John DeLancey, and Brent Spiner will be headlining the event. Leading tours of the painstakingly recreated USS Enterprise TOS sets, participating in bridge chats, and much more. Trek Conderoga 2022 is your chance to meet some of your favorite Next Generation actors in a setting with small crowd sizes and easy accessibility to the stars. Don't forget to swing by the Trek Talking table to see Uncle Jim and Eric. We'd love to meet you. Engage. Back, guys. And yes, this weekend. You there. And now it's time for our convention. You don't. Sorry, man. I had a little bit of a mute issue there, so I am back. So let's first of all start off with we're in the uh, second week of September time frame here, just to, to help you with your planning. Um, so first of all, great name, Colossal Con East in uh, Pocono Manor, Pennsylvania. Try saying that ten times fast. Pocono Manor, Pennsylvania, at Kalahari Resort, September 9th to 11th. It's Colossal Con East. Also, this one, we've talked about it before. It's just too cool not to say Furry Migration 2022. I, I guess it's a furry con. I don't know. We'll find out. Same week, September 9th to 11th in High Regency, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minnesota. You know, it gets really cold in Minneapolis. Perhaps that's one of the reasons that the whole furry thing is so popular there, right? It's like you got to stay warm. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it's been a while since I visited. Things may have changed, but I know it's cold as hell in Minnesota. That's for sure. I would really enjoy this next vacation or <laughs> vacation convention. Oh, man. Somebody slapped me. 
In Cincinnati, Ohio, at the Sharonville Convention Center, you can attend Horror Hound Weekend. I'm guessing that has something to do with Horror Hound, the magazine and website. But, man, good horror, that's the place to be right there. That looks like a fantastic batch of stuff. I'm going to keep going with my other list. I'm combining myself and Eric's together just because it's crazy here on Trek Talking today. Brickfest Live, Pasadena 2022, September 10th to 11th at the Pasadena Civic Center in Pasadena, California. Brickfest makes me think that Lego enthusiasts will be well represented. So head on down to Pasadena and bring some sunblock. And while you're there, you might want to duck on over to Daytona Beach for Daytona Beach Comic Con, also September 10th and 11th, 2022. Can you imagine getting to go to two cons in uh, – in the same week now we're sounding like we're in uncle jim territory here with that idea it's just like no you just can't get enough you got to go from one to the other but if you go to daytona beach comic-con 2022 it's september 10th to 11th at the Volusia county fairgrounds Yeehaw! in tommy lawrence alina arena in deland florida you're gonna have to run fast though if you're gonna make it from pasadena to uh florida that's that's frequent flyer miles guys i, I hope you're up for the challenge Lastly, Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, September 15th through the 17th, the next following week after what we've been talking about in Hunt Valley, Maryland, at Delta Hotels, Baltimore, Hunt Valley. Maryland has got your Nostalgic Convention ready to rock and roll. A lot of cool old stuff show up at those Nostalgic Conventions, so you never know what you're going to see. Old TV actors signing their 8x10s and headshots, old uh, Hummel figures, old action figures from back in the day. could be pretty crazy there. So you never know what you're going to see. But uh, there's a lot of conventions because as we move into fall, there's a lot coming on. David, my friend, who just emerged from the center vortex of his very own donut universe. Tell us where you are reporting from now, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like I got a place over at the um, Wyndham Garden North Fork downtown in uh, Norfolk. Virginia. It's called Tidewater Horror Convention 2022 from September 9th through the 11th. Heading on over to uh, DuPage County Fairgrounds in Wheaton, Illinois. It's a DuPage Comic Con 2022 over in uh, September 10th to just the one day, September 10th. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looks like the next one is Arkansas Comic Con over at State House Convention Center in Little Rock, Arkansas, from September 10th through the 11th. And, uh, Charles, what's on your list? Well, let's start dealing with September 16th to 18th. Let's see which city you want to start in. In Las Vegas, right here in Las Vegas, Las Vegas Convention Center, we have the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. I think I've heard tidbits about it. I don't know much detail about it. A lot of my com- my convention year fans are too busy with Star Trek Las Vegas right now. Yes, sir. I mean, go over to Richburg, South Carolina for Mega Moose Con at the Gateway Conference Center. Or you can go to Hyatt Regency Aurora Denver Convention Center in Aurora, Colorado, for the Supernatural Official Convention at Denver. 
So we got to figure out what what direction you want to be on the what where you want to be that weekend. Jim, how about some news? Well, yeah, it's time for some Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. And it's time for Star Trek news, guys. All the stories that we're about to talk about can be found in their entirety, unedited, on our Facebook page. So for further information, visit Trek Talking and Beyond, and you can read these complete articles. So before we get too far, though, I want to say welcome to Eric. He finally he finally made it. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing really good. I am sitting here on the banks of Lake George in beautiful uh, New York, uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from where Jim's broadcasting from. And if you hear a lot of background noise, that's because there are a ton of crickets out here. So uh, happy to be here. Thank you guys for helping me cover that first hour, and I'm excited to kick off the second hour. You know, you're you're sitting outside. I'm sitting outside. I see a pattern developing here. <laughs> it is the way of things, and I got to tell you, Jim, I haven't been to this part of the country before, and I am loving it. I love where you live. The weather's been beautiful, which I know has been lucky. Last weekend wasn't so beautiful, and this weekend may also be hot, but right now it's perfect. It is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. And speaking of perfect, Charles, what do you got for us for our first news story of the evening? Okay, I, uh, uh, um, Okay, Eric, you want to jump in for the first story? Uh, sure, I will jump in with this very first story, and I'm really excited about this story because, unfortunately, as many of our Star Trek fans know, um, we lost one of the big guns uh, this past uh, couple of weeks here, Michelle Nichols has departed uh, and gone on to the next phase of her life. Uh, and so we've got this great article about Nichelle Nichols being remembered by a friend and Star Trek star, Dawn Lewis. Uh, she said, growing up, we had a 10-inch black and white TV. Myself and my brothers would gather around the night, uh, would gather around at night. We were supposed to be in bed, but my mom worked during the day and went to school at night. So she left one of the neighbors in charge of making sure we got our homework done and got to bed. We would turn the volume down low. We would cover ourselves up with blankets to make a tent around the TV to muffle the sound, but invariably, she would always hear it. I can hear that TV. Turn that TV off. We all, we learned all of the lines. We used to play Star Trek by reenacting the battle scenes between Romulans and the Klingons. At the same time, we were watching that play out on television. We were watching what was happening in the civil rights movement in the world watching people of different nationalities not be accepted, people being brutalized for the color of their skin. Yet, on Star Trek, you had people of different nationalities, different species, out in space, finding a way to exist together and to work together. Everyone was encouraged to be excellent. As a kid, I thought that was the way the world was supposed to be. Nichelle represented me as a little girl. Her being the communications officer, it was her job to break things down. Let's do what we can to understand each other. That's who I want to be as a person. When I was cast on Star Trek, I told her right away. She said, 
at least you're a captain. <laughs> but she knew I always wanted to be an alien. I think I am the second African-American female captain in the Star Trek universe. Madge Sinclair was the first. Avery Brooks was Commander Sisko. Now we've got Sonequa Martin-Green on Discovery. Michelle was more than just an actor. She was an advocate. She worked directly with NASA and really did change the face of how people of color are represented in science and in the space program. She was an incredible writer and singer and musician. Lieutenant Uhura was an iconic character, but she was that and so much more. Ah, what a great homage to a fantastic woman. I think Such a good story, man. Women. Yeah, and I just I think it's really cool that um, that you know obviously people of color and underrepresented people are so inspired by Michelle and inspired by the way that Star Trek's headed these days. And I also also think it's great that just uh, you know old white guys like Paul and I are inspired by her as well. So a <laughs> uh, very versatile woman and just really something special. And what a great article! I definitely encourage you guys to go out and check out the entirety of it. Who are you calling so, old man? Well, it's awesome because it oh, happens to be you... her birthday, which is cool. <laughs> mentioned that her in, her, in the cool. And we're going to be talking about Lower Decks, and she voices Captain Friedman on Lower Decks. So it kind of ties in the thread to the whole show. Absolutely. And that's not yes, an that accident, by the way. <laughs> I planned it that way. <laughs> Good job, Jim. Good job. All right. Uh, and uh, we let me see if uh, Charles... Can you hear us? Yes. All yeah, right, Charles sorry gets about our first. <laughs> Charles gets well, our I first story, of the evening, which turns into our second story of the evening. But when you're doing live radio, well, this is what you have to deal with. <laughs> it's when you sit there and adjust your earbuds, and the sensor decides to hang you hang you up instead. Okay, I think some of these dates need to be checked on Jim's article. We got a confirmation that Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3 debuts internationally on Prime Video in August. Star Trek Lower Deck debuts on Amazon Prime Video in a number of international markets in January of 2021, with the second season arriving in 2020, August 2021. Not sure about those dates. This includes Prime Video in the UK, Ireland, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, and India. And Amazon Prime Video is confirmed that the season three will be no different. With the first episode arriving exclusively on the service of the same territories on Friday, August 26th, the day after the U.S. premiere. So additional episodes of the 10th season will arrive each Friday on Prime Video. With addition in the U.S., the third season streams exclusively on Paramount Plus in Latin America. In Canada, it debuts on Bell Media, CBT, Sci-Fi Channel, and streams exclusively on Crave. So most of our international fans will still get to see Lower Decks the day after we do. And fans that are worried about us spoiling episodes... We change the arrangement of episodes to fit what we've done in lately with After Lower Decks, and we will be doing the episode the following week. So we, we will be discussing one episode the day the new ep- the next episode comes out, 
so we won't be spoiling the episode for you. So next episode comes out next Thursday. We won't review it to a following Thursday. So we won't be giving you guys any spoilers that aren't at least a week week and a week later. But personally, after binging season two, I am ready for season three. Weeds, dudes. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and Paul, you want to talk about Boimler? Sure. I got a story here. I'll take us into our transitional tee us up for our next conversation topic. Lower Deck Season 3 features Bold Boiler, Emotional Mariner, and another Star Trek movie parody. Series creator and showrunner Mike McMahon ran down some of the highlights of the upcoming season of Lower Decks, revealing they will be doing another episode like Season 1's Crisis Point. For season three of Lower Decks, there's a lot of amazing callbacks to previous Star Trek. A lot of new aliens that you're going to meet. We're going to go to Deep Space Nine for a little bit of adventure. And I don't think we told anybody this, but in the first season, we did a big movie parody episode. And in the third season, we do a big Star Trek sequel movie parody episode. Because everybody knows Star Trek sequels hit differently. Don Lewis, Captain Freeman, also hyped up the season with some insights. You get to know a little bit more about each of us as individuals, like where we come from, our families, all those kind of dynamics. And Mariner and Freeman's dynamic has a little bit of a twist as well as mother and daughter. Jack Quaid, Brad Boimler, and McMahon joining in. Jack Quaid, I do feel like we all grew this season. I think the writers just made me every season so cool. I love how these characters are constantly changing and they're evolving and it's an honor to be on the show. It's awesome. Mike McMahon. There's a lot of growth, a lot of comedy and a lot of Star Trek. We try to have it all in there. There was a lot of talk about the season premiere, which we now know is titled grounded. Mike revealed some time has passed since the season season two finale. There is a little bit of a time jump. There is just enough of one for Mariner to think nobody's doing the thing she needs them to do. So she takes it into her own hands and she gets a little help from her lower decks pals. Tawny Newsom explained how the season opener shows a different side to Mariner. I'm going to put on a crop leather jacket. and I'm going to steal a starship like you do. Whenever your mom gets thrown in jail, you got to steal a starship and go to a historical site. We're going to see Mariner do everything within and without her power to try and help her mom. I think it's really sweet and cute and shows a lot of heart. Mike and the writers did such a good job making Mariner totally tough and like, I'm going to go after it and I'm going to do what I think is right, even though it's bad and dumb. But it comes from such a place of heart, whereas a lot of her like headstrong sometimes comes from a place of ego. But this time we really see it comes from an emotional place, which is a cool thing to do in a 22 minute cartoon. Now, friends, that concludes our news segment here. And I'm going to do a little, uh, Uh, airlock closing and baton passing because now that Eric is firmly ensconced in his captain's chair and ready to talk about all things lower decks with the crew, I have recently been hailed by the commanding officer of the SS Spouse Prize, and she's let me know that it's time for me to beam back up to the mothership and go organize dinner for the rest of the crew. So have a great rest of your show, friends, and uh, thanks for Trek talking with me. And thanks for filling Thank in for Paul. Eric. You did a wonderful job. Yeah, thanks, Paul. All right. Have fun up there at uh, Ticonderoga, pals. I can't wait to see pictures and hear all about it. 
Oh, you definitely will. <laughs> Thank you very much, friend. <laughs> Good night. All right, guys, we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. I'm sorry, Season 3, finality is set in. Uh, but first, we have to take our final oh, commercial break. Two. Of... Season 2. Well, we're, we're getting prepared. <laughs> Um, we're going to take our final commercial four. break. What was <laughs> season five? I don't know. Something to do with Star Trek. Anyways, guys, we're going to have some more Trek talk. And when we get back, we have to take our final commercial break of the evening. So quick run to the bathroom. But whatever you do, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking would like to invite you and your friends to ease your way back into the Star Trek event scene by joining us August 19th through the 21st at Trek Conderoga 2022, the biggest little Star Trek event in Ticonderoga, New York. Headliners Gates McFadden, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner will be giving photo ops, autographs, and will be participating in celebrity guest talks. Trek Talking will also be in attendance as Uncle Jim and Eric chair discussion panels on Klingons and Starfleet admirals. Tour the original series set tours, play some mini golf, or attend an award-winning Elvis tribute show. There is something for everyone at Trek Conderoga. We hope to see you there. Engage. And we're back. Our number here is 646-668-2433. If you want to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, give us a call. We'll get you on the air right now. So uh, that will be our final commercial spot for Trek Conroga. I think you did a spectacular job on putting together those ads, Eric. Thank you so much for that. You bet they were fun to do. And uh, I was talking with the guys when we were doing our pre-show warm-up, and it just dawned on me, I don't have a show ready for Monday because I'm on vacation, but I just thought of a perfect show for Monday. Why don't we talk about our experience at Trek Conroga our first meeting together, and what we thought about the whole experience. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds like sounds fun. fun. All right, so there you go, guys. You heard it live right here first on Monday. We're going to talk about Trek Conderoga and the set tours and meeting all the awesome stars and, and our incredible uh, Trek Overload weekend, which is coming up. That'll be Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel. So, you guys are ready to talk some lower decks? What do you say? Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. So, before we dive into it, though, I got to set the mood for you.
Okay, for the, those of you who don't know, that is the theme song from Star Trek Lower Decks, just to, to get you pumped up. So the last time we saw Lower Decks, the season finale, uh, we saw Captain Freeman being arrested for blowing up Packlet Planet and being hauled away in shackles before her crew. Um, the dishonor that what she must have felt. But, alas, we know that things are going to be better because we know that her crew isn't just going to sit back while their captain is falsely accused of evil doing. And we know this. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. So we're going to go back and talk about our favorite moments from season two. So I went back and binged the entire season. And I got to say, there was so much in that I forgot about that just made me fall off my couch laughing. I, I love Lower Decks. Absolutely love it. It's um, it's a unique take on Star Trek. And there's so many uh, little uh, homages and, and little nods here and there uh, that just make it so much fun. So the season starts off with an episode called Strange Energies. And uh, this is one where... Uh, uh, Ransom, Jack Ransom, the first officer, gets godlike powers like Gary Mitchell. And through the whole episode, the doctor's running around saying, I'm going to get a big rock and drop it on him. Because that's how Kirk <laughs> defeated Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what did you think about, about that episode? Did you like it? I thought it was okay. I mean, honestly, I I also went back through and uh, rewatched the entire season, Jim, and I gave each episode a a rating, one to ten, and that was my second to worst episode of the season. Um, I think it had some fun stuff. I do like the fact that you know Mariner and her mom sort of come to terms in that episode. I also <laughs> I hate to say it, but I love the line that Rutherford does at the end where he's like, F pairs, they're so bland and mealy. <laughs> but, yep. but, uh, but generally speaking, like the ransom stuff was kind of like, all right, it's a little over the top. And it didn't, it didn't make me giggle. And so many other episodes did make me giggle. So it was all right for me. I don't know. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. You, I laughed. I laughed my ass off when and when when the final scene. He's laying there, and all of a sudden, this big rock falls on him. I was like, you know, Dr. Yeah, you, knew, you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, she yeah. finally got the rock on him. I, just, I was like, that's funny. <laughs> it, it's it's not one of the strongest episodes, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but it was a fun one. I did enjoy it. Yeah. No, yeah. but it's also got a it's also got a direct TOS reference because we are talking about Gary Mitchell and comparing him to Gary Mitchell and that was a good reference to him. Well, I love how the fact that they argue over what's an what's an acceptable communication code number. The number just has to be perfect. It's like no, we just give you a random number. No, no, no. I, I got to have a number that's just perfect. It can't have, it can't conflict with my past. It can't be, it can't be balanced wrong. It's like, no, no, they got to have a perfect number. Ah, we'll just take that one. In the end. And Charles, speaking of Gary Mitchell, uh, there's been a little bit of buzz that we might, 
uh, we might be seeing more of him in season three of Strange New Worlds too. So that would be kind of mm-hmm. cool if we got some of that. Maybe this is a little, a little, uh, you know, cross show promotion here. I've heard that too. That Mitchell might mm-hmm. be showing up. Shannon, what, what did you think about uh, Strange Energies? Did you like it? Well, it's funny because I didn't realize it had been almost a year since we watched, you know, this show. So I remember it just being like, just, apparently we should just listen to Mariner. She said drop a rock on him. Just drop a rock on him. She's usually right. Let's go with that. So. Yep. Yeah. And they did. <laughs> they dropped the rock on him. <laughs> so so that, that's, well, that's Shannon, season two. You know, Episode one dropped the Thursday of Star Trek Las Vegas last year. This year they'll drop it. Yeah, I wasn't there last bit. year because I, you know, I know but I was, I'm just saying it. They'll drop it. They, last year they I dropped it on day two. This year they'll drop it on day one because they start on Thursday this year. Yeah. So if they, if they drop it like in the middle of the night, I can watch it on the plane. Otherwise, I might not see it like I'm back from Vegas this year. I think they drop it yep. at midnight, don't they? Yes, midnight mm. Pacific. Right. No, not no, mid- midnight Eastern. No, midnight Eastern. Yeah, midnight Nine o'clock Pacific, Pacific, I think. That's right. Oh, right. So, yeah. so it's Thursday morning. I can watch it on the plane, though. Yes. I actually like to watch it. We could all watch it together at 7 o'clock at night. But okay, I'll still watch it on the plane anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the second episode, that brings us into the second episode called Kayshawn, His Eyes Wide Open. And uh, this, this was an interesting episode. Um, th- th- this has a new character taking over because uh, I, we should have mentioned this before. Uh, Boimler leaves at the end of season one to go off with Aww. Captain Riker on the Titan. So Boimler is gone. So the crew gets a new lower decker to join them uh, by the name of Jet. Uh, and I can't remember his last name. Jet uh, joins Reno? them. Oh, uh, not to be confused. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with Jet Reno. But uh, Jet comes and joins them. And uh, so they, they, end up, they end up going on a, a, a very interesting mission where uh, it's a tie into TNG with uh, the most toys episode with Taylor Tom. And for me, one of the biggest memories of this particular episode is we see the skeleton of 50-foot Spock hanging up on the ceiling. And, Eric, yeah. what's the significance of the 50-foot Spock? Oh, the 50-foot Spock cannon. is big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon, do you want to take this one this time? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> go for it, Shannon. The 50 take it away, Spock. Shannon. Yeah, go ahead, Shannon. Tell yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I was—I didn't catch it the first time. I just thought it was—I didn't—I didn't correlate that was part of that. I'm like, oh, now wait—it's canon now. Lowered now, all the Star Trek cartoons are canon because they're on the show again. It's true. That's so right. Foot Spock comes from the animated series, The Infinite mm-hmm. Vulcan. Um, we get to see uh, that fifty-foot Spock, and we leave him behind on the planet, and we never knew what happened to him. Uh, and that show was what nineteen sixty-eight? No, seventy. Yeah, 73, 74, somewhere in there. And so it's been, you know, what is that, 40 years, 50 years, and we haven't known (laughs) what happened to Spock. And then, yeah, in this episode, we see the 50-foot Spock skeleton, and that was just, I I can't remember if 
Jim and I actually texted each other when we saw that or if we just, like, went nuts over it the next time we talked. But it was just such a cool, like, little moment, um, especially for fans of, of the animated series. And we take for granted that all of the hosts here on the show are fans of the animated series, but there are so many Star Trek fans out there who have kind of poo-pooed the series over the years. And I will tell you, folks, it's worth watching, okay? Are, is yeah. every episode amazing? Yeah. No. Is every episode of Next yeah. Generation amazing? No. So just watch it and enjoy the ones that are good. And, you know, there's some cool stuff in there that they're recalling all over the place these days. So check it out. Well, and that way when you see these characters at the Star Trek conventions, you know who they are. Because I kept seeing some of these last few years walking around as a cat. And until I saw the animated series, I had no idea what they were. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And, and Riker actually mentions an alien race which is only seen in the animated series in Star Trek Picard. And he mentions mm-hmm. the Kazinti. And we actually yep. see them in the animated series. So, yeah. Yep. How much more canon you, can you get than that? Not only <laughs> that, Jim, but this, this episode has at least one other um, little tie-in, too, because uh, isn't this the episode, or is it the next episode? Yeah, this is the one I think where we see Lincoln. As well, Abraham yep. Lincoln. Yep. And that was a super funny tie-in because that is from the Savage Curtain from TOS. Right? Uh, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. This episode like, has a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Really if, you, if you watch it, the stuff that, that's in the collector's room, uh, Tendi yeah. says that KOS is fornication helmet. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's all kinds if, if you watch. All the stuff that's in the ship, you'll, you'll know the episodes they came from and where they are. Uh, it, it's it's a really fun, fun episode. Absolutely. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable. But the 50-foot Spock yeah. was the highlight for me. That, and let's not forget, yeah. Kajan, his eyes wide open, yeah. was the first introduction <laughs> of a dad in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And uh, he learned how to speak Federation Standard, but from time to time, through the season, we'll hear a, a uh, um, Tanagra when the walls fell reference. Or <laughs> he he's like, how do you say yeah. it? Uh, somebody, his eyes red. Oh yeah, I'm really sad. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that he's trying to come up with it. And then, and then is it Mariner who does it the other way? One of the characters actually tries to explain something to him and then does it in Tamarian. And then he's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yes, it's Mariner who says, uh, 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 Uncle Jim, his eyes wide shut or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then what she's talking about, and he's like, oh, I took Tamarian at the Academy or something. She yep. makes some reference yep. to that. Of course. So this is a fun yeah. episode. And he gets turned into a doll at the end. Yeah, and, yeah that's uh, the same part. <laughs> So it's a fun episode. Actually, they're all fun. Well, there's one I didn't particularly like, but but for the most part, it's a fun episode. This is also the episode where Boimler gets cloned. Oh. Yes. Remember the accident gets cloned and gets back. He's hanging out on the Titan, having all kinds of fun over there with Riker. Fun in quotes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, yeah, things aren't quite going for Boimler the way Boimler expected them to be, and we actually we actually see Riker and the Titan 
on on this episode. And uh, at the end, what happened to Boimler? No. Yeah. Anybody gets remember? And yep. He gets yep. cloned, and his original gets transferred back to the Cerritos, and the other one stays on the Titan and changes his name. <laughs> yep. Just like yep. Thomas Riker did. <laughs> And and this is how they end up, and and they actually make reference to that in the episode too, which yeah. is pretty cool. And Riker mentions the fact to Boimler, oh, I know what it's like to to, to be cloned by our. He does make a <laughs> reference to that, which I thought was was really yeah. funny too. And Boimler ends up, Prime Boimler ends up back on the street host for the next episode. So uh, yeah, that that one was fun. I I I enjoyed this one too. And that brings us to episode three. We'll always have Tom Paris, which is a play Tom on Paris. a TNG season one episode. We'll always have Paris, which I think was the first holodeck episode. Hmm. I might be mistaken, but I think that was the first holodeck episode. We'll always have Paris. And in this one, Prime Boimler is, is back on the studios. And um, he's up to his old adventures. But Tom Paris is touring Starfleet. Yes, you're, you heard me right. That Tom Paris. And he's an mm-hmm. idol of Boimler's. And Charles, what does Boimler have in his possession? <laughs> oh, he has his collector plates. Yes. You thought collector plates were a thing of nowadays, but nope. Uh-huh. Even if they're in the future, they still have their collector plates. Yep. And Boimler opens up his bag, and he's got them all alphabetized, and he has them all signed, and the only one he needs is Tom Paris. And so uh, that's where the episode picks up. And, and, and because and Boimler – that I was just going to mention, that plate survives everything that happens in the episode all the way to the end. <laughs> Which is and they actually, they actually made that plate for real. You can actually buy that plate now. Yep. Which, which is pretty cool. I knew they were going to do that. Well, they better, yep. they, they yeah. better have made it out of some indestructible material. Titanium. Why was Boimler having so many problems in this episode? That, yes, that's right. Because Boimler was erased from the computer. And he wasn't right. he wasn't there anymore, so he couldn't yep. open doors. He couldn't he couldn't get food from the replicator, um, and he wasn't wasn't there yet. So he had to uh, sneak through the Jeffrey's tubes to get around the ship, <laughs> and uh, leads to some really um, funny situations as that yeah. progresses. Um, but again, this is another fun episode. This one was was enjoyable, and. Um, Trying to think of some of the yeah. Well, there's, oh man, there's the some episode. other great things in here. So first of all, Shax is back, right? He comes back right at the beginning yeah. of the episode, oh, and everybody yeah. sees him, and they're all like, "Don't ask him what happened. You never ask a senior officer what happened to him when they come back from the dead." <laughs> and of course, eventually later on in the episode, you know, because he's so curious, Rutherford eventually does. Oh, is that like what happened? On, you know, he starts asking about it, and it is not a good scene. And apparently he finds out some stuff that we don't hear on screen, but it changes Rutherford. <laughs> and he does not come out the same person he starts. Yeah, everybody on the everybody on the ship thinks it's normal. Oh, bridge crew always comes back from the dead. Oh, it's no big deal. 
and and they don't think it's a big deal. I just, oh yeah, that's cool. Um, but Rutherford investigates it and learns some things that we don't get to learn, but he does. So, yep. so there's that. There's that. There's the whole plot line about Ta'ana's um, quest that she sends uh, Mariner oh, yeah. uh, oh, on to like get the box, and and you know, t- uh, Tendi goes with her, and you know they find the box, and then hijinks ensue, and the thing in the box gets completely destroyed, and they bring back the destroyed thing and the box. And it turns out that Ta'ana opens the box. She's a, she's a, a Kazinti, right? She opens the box. She throws away the item inside and she crawls into the box just like any cat would do. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, oh my God. That was and the so bulging funny. eye she has. Yes. It's just like pupils hilarious. Dilate. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part uh, is at the very end of the episode. Where, At the very end. Uh, uh, yeah, when Boimler finally gets to the bridge to get the plate signed by Tom. And oh, and Tom sees him. <laughs> he's just so yeah. frustrated. When he's like, Tom Paris, and then he turns around and goes, ah, Kazan! Yeah. <laughs> Tackle each Tom other. the Kazan because Boimler's hair is all crazy. Yup, beats the crap out of him. So that. funny. Actually, I can't believe I found this. I forgot so, that uh, Way, way, way back when we talked about this episode originally, I always pull a soundbite off that I like, and I, I can't believe I found this in all the soundbites, but one of my favorite soundbites from Strange Energies is, is one that comes out of, uh, well, let me play it for you. I can't die. It's leg day. I just made one of my favorite lines from Mariner. I can't die. It's leg day. <laughs> Gets me every single time. I just I just love it. It's leg day. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, so that that's um anybody else want to say anything about this before we move on to the next one? No, I just think it was nice. This is also the first time that we've seen Tendi and Mariner get together on a team, right? Like the show, there's the four main characters, and we've constantly seen different team-ups, but this is the first time we get the two of them together. And I love what the show does when it kind of breaks that fourth wall a little bit where Uh, Tendi mentions that this is the first time that they've ever actually been teamed up together. (laughs) We also get to learn Tendi's actual uh, Orion's name. Yeah, we learn her name, and we learn that, man, you don't want to mess with Tendi when she's on Orion or no. around other Orions. No, she'll no. kick your ass and change your name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't remember what yeah. the male Orion calls her, but it's something like Mistress or <laughs> My Queen or something like that. He's like, he's yeah, Mistress of the, the Ice or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I that was, that was great. <laughs> I loved it. So this episode so the next this one. was the first one. I was just going to say, I gave this one a nine myself because I loved this episode. This is one of my favorites of the season. Not my absolute favorite, but one of the best ones in my opinion. Well, you know what my favorite is. We haven't gotten to it yet, but we will. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. The next one, the next one just had me just on the floor. Episode four, Mugatu Gumato. And if, if you haven't figured it out, yes, it's about Mugatu. And um, there's some Ferengi. And they're stealing Mugatu, and 
harvesting their horns and selling them on the black market. The crew finds out about this, uh, goes down to the planet, and all kinds of hilarity ensues. Um, this is one of those episodes, I know that it's animated, one of those episodes that has a lot of stuff that just children, it just right, right, you know, over their heads. And one of the scenes in this episode that just had me on the floor is when Rutherford oh. and Boimler escape, and they're hiding in this log, and there's all these angry Mugatu that are chasing after them, and they hide in this log. The two <laughs> Mugatu running out of this bushes or wherever they are. They jump on the log. The log rolls down this hill and sticking up out of the mud. And the one Mugatu bends the other one over the log. And uh, Rutherford says to, to Boimler, what are they doing? And he pops his eye out and he says, they're getting it on. And with that, another Mugatu comes running out of the bushes. And he just sits there. And what does he do? What does he do, Eric? Oh, I knew you were going to make me say this. He strokes his horn. And he watches. (laughs) And he watches. (laughs) He watches. He's sitting there stroking his horn and watching. And and Boimler, my brother said, what's the other one doing? And Boimler says, he's watching. (laughs) And that's what he did. He watched. It was, I was laughing. In fact, when I watched it again, I was just laughing, laughing so hard that they actually put that in there and then when they when they get all done when they get all done and, and Rutherford and Boimler sneak out of their log and make their big escape from the Mugatu the they're part. all passed yep. out they're tired and they're sleeping all and uh, three of them all of them even <laughs> and even the one that was watching got tired from watching and they're all sleeping <laughs> oh my god I was laughing but um, because you can have a healthy sexual relationship with more than one partner <laughs> That's, and just watch. And just watch. <laughs> and just watch. Oh and, um, it just, and in this one, um, you know, they all get captured. And there's this this uh, top secret, you know, that, that Boimler works for Section 31. And she's a spy and all Mariner. this other stuff. And Mariner. She gets captured, of course, by the Ferengi. And Boimler and Rutherford play this game. I forgot the name of it. Where you have to Ambo exchange. Jitsu. Oh no, not that one. Well, yeah, that, but the, but the, it does start with Ambo Jitsu. Yeah, sorry. Yes, it <laughs> no, does. They, but they're playing this <laughs> tabletop game, right? Where you have to make treaties and fail to win. Uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, something it's a, like it's that. A version. It, it's a real or it's a animated version of the real world game diplomacy, which is a game where you you do you just make deals with people, and that's how you. And the whole deal on the animated version is that you don't want to win, and you and everybody has to lose. And if everybody loses, then everybody wins. Yes. <laughs> Which is what diplomacy is. Right? So at the end, when they're when they're dealing with the Ferengi, the only ones that didn't get captured are Boimler and Rutherford, and they come out and they put together this PowerPoint presentation, and Boimler says it's the power of math, people, which gets me every time. Because who yep. else said that? Who said that? Our favorite redhead <laughs> from Discovery. <laughs> Billy, Billy said that. And, and here we are, and Mariner's saying it, and they use the power of math to free them. I, th- this episode I really, really enjoyed. I, I, I found this one very, very funny. 
and I liked it. All. Well, what did you guys? Jim, you it? didn't even ta- you didn't even talk about the fact that every single time they pronounce Mugatu, they mispronounce it, except maybe like one time. <laughs> so every yeah, character, every time. every time they say the name, they say it different. Shax in particular literally says Gumato, and like every version, about six or seven times throughout the entire episode, they just cannot get it right. <laughs> and he walks around uh, tasting the droppings every time he finds yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this <laughs> man, he's in the Like, you can this tell one hour got old. some uh, tension. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I liked it. This was a fun episode, and I loved the Mugatu. So seeing them again was really awesome, and I really liked this. What did you think, David? Did you like this one? Yeah, it was a pretty fun one. Um, I I definitely liked the idea, like at the very beginning of the episode, where the bartender was telling uh, Boimler and Rutherford that uh, Marino used to work for Section Thirty One, <laughs> and now ever since then they heard that they're all getting a little anxious about, like, oh no, is he really? <laughs> yeah, this this was a fun one. So uh, this brings us up to uh, mid-season uh, episode five. Embarrassment of the Duplers. Um, so this is this is the one where they're trying to break into this top secret Starfleet party that only the best of the best can go to. And Boimler decides, well, actually, Mariner talks Boimler into going as his clone. Like we saw Thomas Riker steal the Defiant as Will Riker. So he's going to go as Boimler's clone, and they're going to get into this top secret party. And obviously, since this is Lower Decks, we know it doesn't work, right? And uh, all kinds of hilarity ensues on this giant space station. And at the same time, Captain Freeman is dealing with these, uh, well, with one particular race. And when you upset, when you upset them, him, uh, he copies, he duplicates and duplicates and duplicates and du- like a triple over and 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 over. Um, yeah, so what did you guys think? Of, Shannon, what did you think about this one? Did you like this one? I actually did. I thought it was really entertaining, and I like the fact that they find out that the other, the you know, Kirk and Spock had not gotten to the party either and had hung out at the same bar right. they were at the end. So, yeah, That's right. They were at Kirk and Spock were at this bar and etched mm-hmm. their names into the bar where Boimler Mariner's mm-hmm. names are etched as well, which was pretty yeah. cool. We see a Gorn wedding in this episode. Um, we see mm-hmm. the fish people that, that Mick Fleetwood played an Antedian in this episode as well. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Eric? Did you like this we, one? We see we see Adians from TAS. I mean, that to That's me, right. once I saw the Adians, I was like, what? Because that, of course, is from <laughs> uh, the, oh, shoot, the one with the Guardian of Forever that I can't think of the name of at the moment. But um, that super famous TAS episode with Guardian of Forever. And the avian Spock. Yes, you Thank you. Sorry, I just lost it. They also there's uh, a moment where uh, we learn that Mariner has this past with somebody that she abandoned on SETI Alpha Four because she thought there was life there. Ha ha ha. We see Scant for the for the first time in uh, this show, which I think is awesome because they brought the Scant back. We see Data Bubble Bath. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I thought, I, and, and then, of course, we end it uh, because Rutherford and Tendi have been working on this, you know, these models. Uh, at the end, they get a DS9 model with both Esri and Jadzia, 
which I thought was really cool. <laughs> There's only and one it, little thing. Oh, wait, go ahead. Wait, they have self-stealing, self-stealing symbols? Symbols inside, yeah. <laughs> It might. Well, it might. Good. We, we do know that uh, Rutherford can create a model that has a real working warp core in it and phases that was and cool. everything. So, you know? Yeah. So there was just one little thing in this. I love this episode. I thought it was so funny. But there's one little thing that I thought was a little bit out of taste. There's a, um, there's a moment where there's a gardener, right, who you are absolutely supposed to read as being boothy, I think. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. And he makes this comment about being dead that I just thought was a little kind of like a little askew. I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but I remember going kind of like, oh, that's too bad because that actor is gone. And that comment feels a little weird because of that. But other than that, an absolutely hilarious episode. Yeah, the, the, it was fun. It was definitely okay. uh, definitely uh, Trivia. Fun. And Shannon already grabbed one of the trivia questions. Sorry, that's all right. I got to. I'll add. I'll add an extra one in there. Chandler crashes a Starfleet party, and he sees Captain Ahu that ties us back to TNG. Well. He sees a couple, at, well, a couple of them. Well, actually. which specific one from TNG? <laughs> well, there was Shelby. Yep, Shelby. That was, that was one of them. We never and knew we what happened there. to Commander Shelby, and we end up seeing Captain Shelby. But we also see somebody playing spinning tunes at the party, too. I was going to ask, okay, who That's was the DJ? At the party, yeah, mm-hmm. and he was very outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. I know. Who is it, Shannon? Okinawa. If I'm going to say it right, Okinawa. That's not right. You know who it is? Yeah. Okana. Yep. No, I can't say it. Okana. Outrageous Okana. Yep. That made me laugh out loud when we saw that. So. Yeah. That, that was funny. He's not even Starfleet. He's in there. Like, yeah. Yeah, but uh, they took care of the Duplers at the end. They sent them in there where there will be no trouble at all. Um, they got rid of that. Did you catch that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That's a dad joke, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got it. So, uh, the, the next one brings us up to an episode six called Spy Humongous. And this is the one where um, Captain Freeman goes down to the Packwood planet to negotiate peace. And the Packwoods send a spy to the ship who's really not a spy because he's not spy <laughs> material. But uh, hilarity ensues, of course. And uh, he doesn't learn anything. However, Captain Freeman learns from him what their plans are. So uh, what'd you think about Spy Humongous, Eric? Uh, I thought this one was pretty good. I gave it an eight. Uh, I really liked the number of references. I mean, they were coming fast, uh, like they always do. Um, Yeah, fast and furious. I like the idea that the lower deckers have this duty that is called anomaly consolidation duty, where they take all of the weird anomalies that they've seen, that you've seen, we've seen all over Star Trek, 
and they have to, you know, get control of them, put them in boxes and do things like that. And so you just know some crazy stuff is going to happen because it's anomaly consolidation duty. Um, I, I thought that part of it was just hilarious. And then I loved the absolute, I absolutely loved the very ending of the episode. Oh, that was great. Because, that was great. Uh, because there's, a, there's a TNG episode that we all kind of, I think, love to hate in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, it's uh, the, I can't remember which, is it, is it just called? Skin of Evil. Skin of Evil. That's what it's called. Yeah, Skin of Evil. Skin of Evil. You know, the TNG uh, crew goes to this planet. Uh, they discover this black goo. You know, Riker gets caught in the goo. Riker gets out of the goo. But, of course, we eventually lose uh, our security off- officer, Tashiar, uh, in that episode, which is a terrible way for her to go. But that creature, they call back to that creature. And, in fact, at the very end of this episode, they find this, um, this device that allows them to make calls over, like, galactic distances. Oh. And so what, what better way to use it than to prank call Armus? Oh, yep. Eric, I'm shocked you don't remember what it was called. What was it called? Armus. I just think. Yeah. No? No, the, the device. What was it Actually, called? Actually, it was one of my trivia questions. Oh, okay. Uh, does anybody it's else remember? I don't. Sub, it is a sub-manifold casting stone. Aha. Uh-huh. It's the one uh-huh. that you used to talk to Artemis. It sounds almost magical. I love it. Sounds yeah. like a Harry Potter, oh, like a sorcerer. It, looks, it, it looks magical. Yeah, yeah, it's like a glowing sphere. So, pretty good episode. I mean, oh, not at the yeah. top of my list, but I gave it an eight, and I found it good. Yeah, Charles, what did you think of it? Oh, lovely episode. Another trivia question. We got two of them down. The third one. What did they keep calling Captain Friedman? They kept Captain calling Janeway. Captain Janeway. Janeway. They kept because oh Janeway from the Enterprise. Like that was just funny that they just kept doing that to her. <laughs> and of course uh, the, the, the one is uh Boimler hanging out with the red shirts and uh yeah. trying oh. to earn favor with the command team. And then Tendy gets turned right. into a giant uh um, octopus, not uh, scorpion, and he has to talk okay. her down. So that was the yeah, that the was red the shirts, plot. The red shirts in this one, not being the ones who die first, but a group of uh, lower deckers who feel like all they have to do is give, you know, uh, inspiring speeches and that kind of stuff because that's yeah. that's what they've seen captains do and they know anything can happen. And so in the moment when everybody needs to actually come together and do stuff, what do the red shirts do? They all give inspiring speeches, and that's all they do. So, yep. This is just an episode that really, um, that really, I think, points out how special Boimler is and how talented he is. Yeah, this was a good one. This was a good one. Which and brings the fact us up that to he's epi- acknowledged the fact of what he did. Right. He was on the Titan, and so on and so forth. And that brings us up to episode well, it seven. Was- it was Ransom who sat there and said, good job doing what he did. Right. So uh, episode seven, where pleasant fountains lie, 
And this is an episode where um, the engineer, uh, Phillips, his mother is the queen of this race that, uh, like, worships dragons in medieval times and, and that kind of stuff. And, well, they moved, um, they all moved to a planet at some point so that they could live, it, live in it like it was a renaissance fair. Yeah, yeah, like, a, yeah, them, like but the whole planet is like medieval. Yeah, right. Yep, it's like Westworld, only medieval world, and uh, and he's like the prince of this planet. But there's one catch to being the prince of the <laughs> planet, and that is that he has to lose his virginity, and his mother is is trying to trick him into doing that by blowing up part of her ship and faking her death and faking uh, Rutherford's death and you know, all this other stuff. So what what did you think about this one, Charles? Oh, this was a good, another good one. That storyline wasn't quite my favorite, but I liked the B story in this one. And one last trivia question. In the B story, they are transporting this evil computer who was the evil computer? Agamemnon. That was that was the part that Jeffrey. I was most excited about, Charles. And and then yeah, yeah. it was Jeffrey Combs, right? The Jeffrey person Combs. who played more parts oh. than any other parts in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And and I was so excited yeah. for him to be in this episode that he calls himself Lord mm-hmm. Agamemnon, the computer in this one. And I don't know yeah. for sure, but there's kind of some allusions to it being the same computer from uh, from TOS, and maybe he's just like an mm-hmm. updated version of the one that they that they used to worship uh, back mm-hmm. on the planet back in TOS. Uh, in <laughs> the Archons. But mm-hmm. yep. Jim, I got to tell you, if you want my opinion, I hate these storylines with Billups' mom. Like, I just I don't like them. They're not funny to me. She's not funny to me. The whole concept is not funny to me of a man being forced to have sex when he doesn't want to have sex. Like, it's not a funny topic. So I just, to me, that, like, I have to rate the, the episode of five because half of the story was a zero and half of it was like a 9.5. So I love the Boimler, Mariner, Milk Run stuff. I love the Tendy Rutherford mm-hmm. in engineering stuff. But the rest of it was trash, in my opinion. And I, I'm sorry if anybody else really likes it, but at that that whole concept of that, like forcing somebody to have sex, is not a funny topic. No, no I agree. No, Eric. It was, that was not a good A story, but the B and C story were good. Very good, very good. I agree. Especially having Jeffrey Combs come in there, but yeah, that that helped the episode by having it's like, okay, he's got his credit in another series. Well, the for me, I, I love the get, end where. Like, where they put the evil computer in prison with all the other <laughs> evil computers. And they're all yeah, that we see So many evil computers. <laughs> I will destroy you. No, I will destroy you first. And your mother was a, was a calculator and all that stuff that's going on. <laughs> I just I thought that was great. <laughs> I mean, how many evil computers are there? I mean, like enough to fill this whole there prison. You know? And that brings us up to, to episode eight called I Excritus. And this is, this is a great one, I think, where Boimler becomes a Borg. And uh, this ties into the animated <laughs> series because the, 
the main character uh, was Ben. Well, I don't know what the race was, but was Ben from the animated series, the character that could disconnect its body parts. And we see this character, mm-hmm. not the same character, but the same race on, on Lower Decks again. So this is just another, another affirmation that the animated series is canon. And she's trying to fail the crew. And they make the crew switch jobs where the, the, the Lower Decks becomes the bridge crew and the bridge crew has to do their jobs. And it's really funny. They're, they're, they're down there stacking crates while there's a Klingon attack. And, and, and Jax is like, why are these crates shaped like this? How can you stack them? You know, um, just all kinds of stuff like that. What did you guys think of this episode? Oh. Uh. This was the best one. Uh, to me, this was the 10. Uh, I loved this episode. I've watched this episode probably a dozen times. Um, you got Mare in the Mirror Universe. You got Kendi dealing with Klingon suicide. You got Mariner and Peace of the Action. You got Star Trek II with Rutherford. Uh, I mean, it's all over the place. Mariner and Naked Time. So many references. And I love it when, um, you know, Boimler, so he's got to run this thing over and over again. And he, he runs it. He runs his little thing he's supposed to do, and he gets a passing grade. And what does Boimler do? Because he's an overachiever, he immediately knows that he can do better. And he goes back and he does it again. And throughout the entire episode, he's doing this training exercise, and he just keeps getting better and better and better. He, and then eventually he teaches the board queen empathy. He beats her at chess. We hear, we hear, Alex, we hear Alex Krieg's voice as the queen talking again, and... And then in the end, of course, as Jim already mentioned, he gets assimilated. Uh, Holodeck assimilated, you know, so he's not really assimilated. But we know he needs to drink more water because his skin's all white and pasty. Uh, and he's, he's afraid that he's actually going to be a net negative to the collective if he, if he gets assimilated. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's that. probably one of my favorite episodes too throughout the whole season because it was just it seems like uh, Boimler is just a perfectionist. You know, he has to get it top score, otherwise he's not going to make it. Well, who who later did the same thing? <laughs> not Lower Decks, but what other series did the did a character do the exact same thing? Ooh, that's a good one, Charles. I'm not sure. Who, who got assimilated? No, did the simulation over and over and over trying to get that perfect score. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, Prodigy. I mean, like... Prodigy, oh, yeah. when we're redoing the Kobayashi Maru. Oh, okay. Uh, and okay. he kept You're right. doing it over and over and over. He did. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Doll. Yep. yep. Forgot about that. So this this was a fun, fun episode. Really a fun one. Yeah. And that brings me up to my my. I give a ten. And this is Weege, and this is, which is two ships in Klingon. And this particular Three one ships. is interesting because of why? Because we see the lower decks on a Klingon ship. We see the lower decks on a Vulcan ship and okay. how they compare, as well as the lower decks on lower decks. And um, for and me, I just love... 
I just love the way uh, – and the Klingon that we see in this episode is Tog. And for you, those of you who don't remember Tog, Tog was the Klingon that rescues from the Romulan prison camp um, on TNG. So we get to see him again. Huh. And I just love this episode. The Klingon stuff just had me just just falling down laughing. You know, what Klingons <laughs> consider to be lower deck stuff. Work my Targ. And he's making them, the captain makes them off the Targ and clean up after the Targ. And when he kills someone on the bridge, he's got to come up and get rid of the body and clean up the blood. You know, the kind of stuff that Klingon lower decks people would do. But at the same time, we see the Vulcan lower deck. Yes. Which was also. It won in particular also, to Lynn. And. Uh-huh. You know, are we going to see her on Lower Decks in, se- in Season 3? Hopefully. Please, I, kind of feel like... I want her back. I yeah, think... she, well, she was posted. I... She left the Vulcans, right? And wasn't she posted to the trio? Yes. She was posted yeah, she to was a Federation ship. A human ship. A human ship. A Federation ship. ship. They didn't say which one. They didn't say which one. Right. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, she, she, she really reminds me of Mano. She's like a doppelganger of Mano. <laughs> Well, yeah. I love her attitude. I mean, she has, in my opinion, probably the best line out of the entire – and there's a lot of great lines in this series, but she – you know, they say <laughs> – they're talking about how out of control she is and stuff, and uh, they're like, da-da-da, we're going to tell the Klingon co- – or the Vulcan Council, and she says, I hope they notice how unconcerned I am about their assessment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the fear being like, yeah, all right, <laughs> go ahead and go tell them. <laughs> You don't care. I love how the, the Klingons say, when they do the live long and prosper, and they say, live short and cower, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, this, well, and, for, for me, this was the 10 of, of the episode. Well, I, Jim, love I don't think it's just that. My supposition is that this is your 10, not only because it's about <clears throat> Klingons, but because there are some kick-ass Star Trek V references as well in this one. Go climb yeah, around, right? And he wears the shirt yeah. and the boots, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this was a – I like this one a lot. In fact, this was my favorite one. And it had an one. amazing space battle. It had such a good space battle. And it, I yeah, it, it, it had a very good space battle. And a, and a Volk and cruiser had, Enterprise. And it had the Ritos T-shirts as well, like the disco T-shirts. Where's my Ritos T-shirt, <laughs> man? I need one of these. Really? Yeah. <laughs> In the battle I saw of the one big, at, oh. when I went to Star Trek convention in Chicago, by the way. Did you? Okay, I got to do some internet searching because I rewatched this yeah. episode and I was like, I'm buying that T-shirt. I got to find it. We're going to go over just a little bit, guys, but I think that's okay. We're on our last mm-hmm. episode. So the final uh, episode uh, of season two oh, called okay. First Contact. And we see the return of a character from TNG. Who who was it, Charles? Who who did we see come back as a captain? Oh, I'm trying to remember this last episode. Jordy's, Jordy's girlfriend. Here's your that's your hint. Yep. <laughs> I'll give you oh. a hint. She she had three boobs in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say she spilled coffee on on Picard, nope. but no, you went for the three boobs. Yeah, she, she had three boobs in total recall. She also spilled coffee on Picard. 
And she spilled coffee. Oh, okay. Thinking of her name, <laughs> Captain. But yeah, okay, I didn't, I didn't tie her in with that one. With the one spilled coffee on Picard. Made Captain. Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez. Yep, I missed that reference. I thought it was great when 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 uh, Ensign falls down in front of the captain and she's all embarrassed and she says, "Oh, I've I've done much worse to much more dignified captains," referring to that particular scene. So this particular scene, uh, this particular episode, the Cerritos is going to make second contact with Sonia Gomez's ship, uh, the Agamemnon. I can't remember the name of the ship. Anyways. Yeah. Their ship is an class starship, and they're going to make first contact with this alien race. Obviously, things go wrong. The Excelsior class hits a magnetic eddy, and the ship loses all power, and it's going to crash down on the planet and destroy the whole planet, and the Cerritos has to come to the rescue. So how do they do it? They sh- well, well, before I say that, when they're trying to come up with how they're going to do it, Kayshawn, uh, is that the name of the character? What's the name of the character? It's Kayshawn. His, his name is Kayshawn. Yeah, his name is yeah, Kayshawn. And the, the, yeah. He said they're talking about this, this, this field of debris that's in the way, and they're all coming up with all these, these techno-babble trek ways that they can get around it. And Kayshawn just says, why don't we just warp out of the other side and come from the other side? And they all look at him and like, we can't do that. that, that that's stupid. That'll never work. <laughs> And you're like, that's another fourth wall break. I love it, right? Because we're all sitting there at home like, yeah, dude, can't they just go around it? And the care says it, and everybody's like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. So funny. No, no, we can't do that. No, 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 that won't work. <laughs> so they, they come up with a, another awesome plan on how they're going to do it. But in this particular episode, Boimler has to go for him. And where, where does he go, Eric? Where does Boimler end up going to save the day? No, you don't remember? No, we lost him. Where, where did it's he go, Charles? Spot, it's, that, it's that hidden spot on uh, Enterprise D. I think it's, I don't want to say Porpoise, but there was a technical name for that tank that they go into. That's the sustain, oh, the sustain tank. Where the dolphins yeah. live. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, so we actually get to see where they are. On that show. And they end up saving okay. the day, and uh, mm-hmm. they actually, Cerritos gets to make first contact, which was really mm-hmm. cool. Oh, you forgot oh, about uh, Jim. What did they have to do to get there? They had to strip the ship. Literally. Strip all the plating off the ship. Off the ship. <laughs> so, um, what did you what did you think about this episode, Shannon? What was your favorite part? Well, I said the ops actually because having the whales is my they're my favorite characters actually because um, I like whales. But I just found the whole thing entertaining. I'm glad they finally got to do first contact. Yeah, the they finally did. Mm-hmm. They finally did. And, and so, yeah, so uh, that basically, in a nutshell, guys, is um, 
fun about season two, just to get you ready for season three, if you haven't seen it. So overall, what, what did you think about season two, Charles? Oh, the rewatch just reminded me, this was a fun season. I had forgotten how much fun we'd had with this season. Yeah, and I, I agree. Me the point, like, oh, yeah, I'm ready for season three. This is going to be so worth it. What about you, Shannon? <laughs> then, what did you think about it? Well, I'm thinking I have to watch the whole thing again between now and next week, but I don't know if I have a chance to do that because I think I enjoy it better that way. So I'm, I'm very happy it's on next week. Yep, it, it definitely is. How about you, David? Yes. Yeah, I I really like the season. They got a lot of fun stuff for it. And one of my favorite, favorite parts was in the episode nine where uh, the Packard uh, destroyed their bomb because they were testing it and they were asking to clean on for another bomb because apparently <laughs> they didn't realize that bombs need to be replaced. <laughs> so, bombs only yeah. work once. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that was but funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely have to rewatch this second season before season three comes out because that's going to be a lot more uh, fun to do. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Well, we're we're out of time. We ran out of time a few minutes ago. Um, we lost Eric. Um, but thank you so much. Before we go any further, I want to take an opportunity to say thank you so much to Paul, um, our toy guy, for hanging out and filling in for Eric tonight. And Paul have some toy updates for us on our toy chest segment on our next podcast. Thank you so much to Eric for hanging out with us tonight, and I can't wait to see Eric at Trek Conoroga tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my friend J.P. Carden's coming down from Montreal, Canada as well. So we're going to hang out and have some fun at Trek Conoroga. If you guys are in the area, please stop by. We'd love to meet. And, of course, thank you so much to David for hanging out with us at Trek Talking tonight. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you so much to our very own Charles as well for hanging out and Trek Talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Well, Jim, I think I'm going to I'm going to join our friend with toys because when he said he's starting to get his his stuff from Amazon, it's like, you know what? I need to go pop on Amazon. So this week I'm getting three of the three of the toys in my collection to start off. <laughs> I hopefully um, I got an email from Playmates. Hopefully they'll be sending us some stuff that we can preview the show. But until I can't say anything until I can confirm exactly what. And at this point in time, I do not know. But we definitely will be doing some toy previews on the toy chest. So stay tuned for that. And I definitely saved the best for last, our very own Shannon. We don't hear from Shannon very often because she's a very important, very influential, very busy woman. But we do appreciate it when Shannon takes time out of her busy schedule to hang out and try talk with us and there's always a chair at the table for you Shannon so thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight well thank you I appreciate it and I will say if anybody's at Star Trek Vegas next weekend I'm speaking Sunday morning so if you're there please come listen to me <laughs> and what, what's the name of your panel what is a sentient being interesting kind of V'ger, a- all kinds of stuff so, yeah Oh, that could be very, very interesting. All right, guys. And just to get you guys ready for the uh, for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, 
Um, I'm going to play for you guys the Lower Deck Season 3 trailer that was released, oh, I think it was two weeks ago or thereabouts. So uh, to get you guys ready for Thursday's episode of Lower Decks, here's the trailer for Season 3. Prepare yourself for Warp 10 Excitement. Discover the Undiscovered Country. The USS Doritos remains impounded while their captain stands trial. Have you lost your mind? Captain Carol Freeman stands against the ship. believe this. I wonder how Mariner's taking it. Oh, I'm taking it. Taking it to the limit. Did you time your entrance to say that? What? No. Oh, yeah, she did. Starfleet isn't all about being fed fruit by erotic aliens with slightly different nose ridges. I could get real used to this kind of treatment. Sometimes you gotta get your hands dirty. It's on. This is an unauthorized launch. So begins the greatest adventure of your life. Yeah! These broken rocks are reading our nightmares, but I don't like my nightmares. Behold! Ooh. It's so magical. There's going to be times when you need to make a mess of things before you can fix them. <laughs> My cow going to have to cut this guy's foot off so we can grow him a new one. Wait, what was that? Whatever happens, <laughs> we're going to be right beside you. We're in this together. Help! Let's go! My head. some time. Uh, sir, how, how do we do that? Uh, I don't know. Just circle around and pretend we're in awe of the pylon. Um. Just keep circling. All right, guys. You an idea of what we have to look forward to for Lower Deck Season 3, which premieres on Thursday night on Paramount+. Plus. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Please tune in on Monday night. Eric and I are going to be talking about Triconderoga, the original set tour, and how our panels went, and just sharing our experiences from the convention. That'll be Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. So with that, guys, I'm going to say thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for listening no matter where you are. And please, Star Trek fans are the best fans. Stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. He's a long life. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.